Take your places on the wall. Take your places on the wall. You can even take a purple chair with you. Or you're getting on the wall. <laughs> you get your picture taken too with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's just begin a just slightly different, not not a big difference this morning, but just a little bit. And just ask the Lord, really, what is on His heart this morning? What is He wanting us to pray? What is He wanting us to prophesy? What scriptures are He is He highlighting? The main purpose of Ecclesia is to hear from God so we can speak and act for God. That's it in a nutshell. And we need to hear what He's actually saying. It's good to give requests, right? To give requests to the Lord. But as we come together as an assembly, and He's with us, He has things He wants to relay. He wants to speak. So this more is a time, and even every Sunday is a, is a spontaneous time, meaning just to be led by the Spirit of God and what He's saying to us. It's a time to, to speak the Scripture forward, a prayer for His, our nation and the world need prayer the body of Christ and, and each individual. And even to be, you know, just spontaneous by the Spirit, if there's a song the Lord's dropping on your heart, or but really what is the Lord saying? What is the Lord doing? And that we focus in on Him. And so this time's not not a time really for testimonies, uh, for devotionals, for short teachings. We, we can have time for those at, a, at another time. But this time is really just to hear from God and even if it doesn't make sense to you, you're hearing one word, you just get up and you say the one word. You don't have to explain it. You know, I found out when, I would, when that started happening to me and I would get one word and I would say it and I felt like, oh, nobody's going to understand it and I need to explain it. I would just mess it up when I tried to explain it because I didn't really know what it meant anyway. And just say it, you know, and just, just speak it forth. And I do want to read this passage as we begin at Second Peter chapter 1. It says, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. I like that statement. And I'm assuming most, if not everybody in this room, has received a faith of the same kind. By the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. I need to read that part again. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. 
Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence, knowledge and in your knowledge, self-control and in your self-control, perseverance and in your perseverance, godliness and in your godliness, brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Wow. Father, we thank you so much for your scripture, for your word that you have given to each and every one of us. God, thank you for this time that we're gathered here. What a privilege it is to gather in your name as your children, sons and daughters, with ears to hear and eyes to see. And as an ecclesia, Father, we turn our ears to you, our sight to you, our focus, our attention to you, and what you have to say, and what you want to do and want to accomplish. I was looking at the Word this morning and um, rejoicing again in, in who I am and, and what I have available in the Word. And He led me to John. In the beginning was the Word. 
The Word is with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And in Him was life, that's Zoe life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the beauty of that is, is that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And as I thought of the Word of God, I thought of the beautiful passage in in Hebrews. For the Word of God is living, it's alive, and it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him of whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things, yet as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And I couldn't help but just bask in that this morning and just praise him and thank him uh, for all he does. There's words of a song that says that I'm done by the presence of Jesus. I'm just undone by it. We've been gloriously saved through that blood. And I'm done by the work that he's done in us. That incredible spirit of God, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God who raises from the dead, the God who brings into existence things that are not, that is all available to his kids. And it's all, all through the faith in knowing who we are and loving him and keeping short accounts with him. So, Father God, I ask that you would encourage this ecclesia this morning. Let them grasp a hold again of who they are and let them live that out day by day, hour by hour. And even in our sleep, Lord God, let us grasp hold of those things. We're going to need everything that you have for us in this, in this hour, in these last days, in this, this, this time in our life, Father God. We don't know what 2023 is going to bring. But we know that you do and that we are your children and we will walk alongside you in this and through this and come out on the other side um, white as snow. So we thank you, Lord God. Continue to encourage us along the way. If we're grieved, if we're hurting, um, I encourage all of you to reach out to those around you, those that you love, those that you trust. And so you can come alongside each other and rejoice in what God is doing and is going to continue to do. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the incredible privilege of being your child. Amen and amen.
I've been thinking about discernment, and I've been reading about the story of King David before he was King David and how he escaped from Saul because he had this communion with God about what to do and when to do it. And I hear this morning what Mike was saying and what um, came to my mind is Second Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. salvation. Psalm 27. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength in my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come up against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and they fell. Though an army may camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Thank you. life here good to us. I cannot but glorify you and honor you and call you my God and my King, my Savior. Thank you for opening up the windows of heaven and showering us with all things good. 
Thank you for those times when you had to chastise us. Because it's in those times that we learn to draw close to you. Like a child to a parent. You are worthy to be called our God and our King. The one we worship. The only one worthy of our worship. So again, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 12:32 Do not fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom Father we thank you We thank you for your kingdom We thank you for our king your son We thank you Father that we can bring you good pleasure by receiving your kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your kingdom. May you receive good pleasure, even at this moment, as we rejoice in the gift of your kingdom. Good morning. I keep hearing, hold on. Jesus is with us. The world is pressing darker. It's getting more confusing, sometimes overwhelming. But also Jesus spoke to us in John 16:33. I have told you these things. So that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Stay focused on Christ Jesus. He is our all in all. He is our author and our finisher. The beginning and the end. Just whatever comes your way, put yourself in that peace of Christ. Amen.
the Lord says, I am always with you. And I uphold you by my right hand. I guide you with the counsel of my Holy Spirit. So we cry, who in heaven? Who's in heaven but you, O God? And earth has nothing that we desire beside you. For we have made you our refuge. And we will continue to tell of your great deeds. And to speak of those things that you tell us in the night watch. For have you not said you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? In you is light, and your light is the light of men. And in you is no darkness at all. Let your glory fall on the earth, God, as water covers the sea. And let your light illuminate every dark place. We glorify you and we honor you, Lord, with our lips and with our deeds. May your kingdom come. thinking about this uh, scripture for a few days. Second Samuel 22. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you saved me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. thank you for what you've done when I didn't know. I thank you for what you're doing, and I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare them. Lengthen your ropes and strengthen your pegs.
As for God, His way is blameless. His, the word of the Lord is tested. He is a shield to all who take refuge in Him. Jesus said these words. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. One of the big questions is not whether you believe in Jesus, but what Jesus do you believe in? You can go out there in the world and there's all kinds of people that will say they believe in Jesus. But you've got to get down to what Jesus are actually believing in. One moment in my life, I had a major decision to make in my life. And I actually read the entire Bible to make the decision. And it comes down to the one verse that was brought up first here today, 1 John. That made all the difference in the world. That puts validity and validity to the entire Bible. And this morning, before church, we was watching a little show on TV this morning. And they equated the wedding ceremony, the wedding party of the Jews to a lot of the scriptures that we live today. And then, I'm not very good at putting it all together, but it really hit me hard this morning. One of the first things they did on a Jewish wedding was the bride and groom was presented to each other. And one of the first things they did was the the groom offered the bride, or (laughs) offered the bride, offered the bride a cup of wine. And at this moment in time, she could accept or or give the cup back to the groom. And that would end the wedding ceremony. And after the start of this wedding ceremony, the bride and groom were split up. They didn't see each other. Well, they probably saw each other, but they weren't together for a year or so. And during that year, the groom was to go and prepare a place for his bride. And where he prepared the place for was added on to his father's house. 
I don't know if you guys are catching any similarities here. And then in this particular Jewish group, this is the Galilea Jews. And their wedding ceremony is totally different from all the rest. And the big difference being is nobody knows when the bridal ceremony will take place except the father of the groom. He's the one that determines when it takes place. And then you've heard the the deal of the virgins are getting ready for the bride. They keep the lamps and stuff. They're, the bride is to be prepared whenever he comes for her. Is there any similarity to that? We're supposed to be here preparing ourselves for when Christ comes for us. And one of the things about this, they brought a bunch of charts. I love charts. And it said almost a third of the Bible is prophecy. And they were equating what's the purpose of prophecy? The purpose of prophecy was to prove the Bible, to give validity to the Bible. Because almost all prophecy has come to pass. We have some yet to come. But they say you can put many works on the, on the shelf of all the different religions. And the main difference between them all is prophecy. And in this day and age, if you go to the churches and stuff, prophecy is falling by the wayside. And so people are losing their proof of, of Jesus. And so the question I started with, what Jesus do you believe in? And it's something that it takes an active, conscious part on your part and the study, and it's a lifetime concern because we have to be prepared for the right time when it comes. Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever.
chorus of this song has been over in my head probably 15 times this morning. The ones that go to your beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depths of your love? You're beautiful beyond description, majesty and so on above. I was wondering, Ecclesia, could you stand to your feet and raise your hands and let's sing this chorus together? You are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depths of your love? You are beautiful beyond description, majesty enthroned above. And we stand, we stand in awe of you. We stand, we stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due. We stand in awe of you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. For the Lord, he is God. For the Lord, he is holy. For he is righteous and he is good. For I, the Lord, have created you to be holy, to be righteous, and to be good. To reflect my glory in the earth. For rise and shine as bright as the morning star.
I don't exactly know how to put all the pieces together, but I've been hearing them throughout the room about God's glory, about light, and it keeps bringing me back to a scripture verse. I want to say the song that Michael sang this morning, he probably doesn't remember that that is a wedding song for me because there was a time in my brokenness where the Lord let me see me dancing in a wedding dress with Jesus. And I looked into his face, and that was the song that I looked into his face. And that song is so meaningful to me that my husband would do that this morning. And then the things that I've been hearing is that we are to take this light into the world. Well, the way we take this light into the world is it first has to shine on us. And we have to look into his face. And we have to see what it is that he wants us to see. And he wants us to see that we are his dearly beloved. And how can we not go out into the world and let them look in our faces and see what we see? And it put me in mind of this scripture that I've just been kind of stuck on. It's in 2 Corinthians 4. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves because of Jesus. That's how we go into the world. We are slaves of Jesus. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. When we look into his face and we see his delight in us, we can shine that back out to the people who don't know that. They don't know what Jesus did. They don't know that he delights in them. We are such a a world and even the church of sin management. We need to reflect back to them the face of Jesus and they'll be changed. heard a lot this morning about wedding. I'm reminded of a dream. This dream presented before me was a white wall. Endless in both directions. And as I looked, I saw at the bottom of the wall, up against the wall, a line of people. And they were all going to my right same direction but when they got to a certain point about to my right they all stopped and they were fighting and arguing and yelling and um, it was just total chaos and no one went past that point in the dream no one went past that point and I asked God what all this meant. He said, well, the point where they stop is sanctification. They will not go beyond sanctification. They won't be sanctified. And I said, well, what does the wall mean? And as I looked again at the wall, I began to see spots and wrinkles. 
And uh, he said to me, that is my bride saying no to me to the wedding. She must submit and be sanctified. of you already mentioned um, what you were hearing from the entire congregation that shared. Would anybody else like to just share what you were hearing from and through everybody else? Even if it's just one thing that really stood out. I've been sitting up there hearing this continuously. And uh, anyway, finally, Joe, I guess, prompted me to get up and just say it that uh, He is, the Lord is our lifter of our head and the lover of our souls. And we're just so thankful because He's also our Father. And we cry out, Abba. And we just thank you for the things that you have done, things you are doing, and things you are yet to do. 
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As she was speaking, um, I was hearing that what God is doing here in this ecclesia is reuniting us, not only to him, uh, but to each other. And reuniting us to a greater devil, um, greater understanding of who each individual person is in this room, their bent, their calling, what God's doing in each other's lives, and how we can meet those needs. So I think he would say to each one of us, keep in touch with each other um, as often as you think of someone to let them know that you're praying for them or asking them specifically what's going on so that we can be not only one in the spirit, but one in unity with each other. Last call. <laughs> okay, we're done. No, I'm just kidding. I can sit down. <laughs> Mark Anthony always tells me to sit, so that's an inside joke. I have to tell you, it's um, one of the things that I'm fighting with this battle that's going on between um, us and 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 wanting to take tyr- tyr- tyranny over is that the majority of us are strong Christians. Many of us are sitting in this church. We're standing at the pulpit. Um, but I'm finding out more about marriage because Rick and I have been married only a short period of time. And prior to that, I was single. I was a single mom. My husband had died. And I had a child with special needs. So my focus was on bringing him up. But now that I'm married and I'm reading more and more about the Bible, I'm starting to understand why the devil wants to tear apart the husband and wife. Because it is the, it's the family. It's God's. As people are married and the longer they stay married, and I'm not the one to speak of this, okay? But the longer Rick and I stay married and we go from the two of us wanting to do things independently, and I'm still stubborn, I have to tell you that, up to merging our relationship and the bond that is growing and the two of us understanding certain things because we have blended families, but Rick has embraced my son's son and that kid doesn't know anything different. That's Papa Rick as far as he's concerned. And it's kind of cool because he annoys Rick just as much as he annoys the rest of us. There's no division there. And and Rick doesn't mind it. Um, in fact, he bought him a wonderful train set for Christmas, and the two of them are building trains together. So I would love one day if we could, if you could, because I had divorced parents, and so I don't really get marriage in the sense that God wants us to get marriage. So anyways, that's a request. Yeah, awesome. Do everything your husband tells you, and it'll be all right. I'm just <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. 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 
53. Amen. Amen. Does anybody enjoy what we're, what happened here this morning and like like that, at least the, whatever you want to call it, template of that? Let the Holy Spirit be you. Yeah. You never know what's going on. Exactly, exactly. I think it's time to remove the back microphone, though, because this one up here just is not getting used. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. I mean, for me, that was so good. I don't know that I have much else to say, you know, but I just I just love the participation and the spontaneity and the unscripted, unplanned, what is the Lord saying? Just love that. And I believe that's a major part of what he's doing with us and how he's leading us in this model of ecclesia for us. doesn't mean every group is to do it this way. A couple things. One of the things, I guess, really, somebody said, I think it was Mike maybe, about the bride. Was it you? You mentioned the bride of Christ. Somebody did anyway. Um, and, you know, nowhere in the Bible, we say this, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus is returning for the church. But people say that all the time. Now, it should be to this group, it's very obvious that he's not returning to the, for the church because the word church is not in the Bible. It's only in our translations. So it's impossible for him to return for the church. <laughs> because it's not there, but it's in translation. In huge error, by the way, I would add demonic error. But who he is going to return for is his bride. And you can tell the difference, even now, who the bride is. Out of the sea of Christians, the bride is the one that's preparing herself for the bridegroom. You know, even in the natural, when you have a group of women, you know, you've got the maid of honor and all the bridesmaids, you can tell who the bride is. Right? The bride's doing all the, they're getting all ready, prettied up and dressed and makeup and hair and nails and all the stuff women do. I'm not sure I really want to be a bride. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, nowadays you can, can't you? Well, I am self-identifying as a bride of Christ. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
There was something that came out of last week that I would like to revisit a little bit and then uh, throw in a couple a couple other things. And so it, it all surrounds the Sermon on the Mount still. And, uh, and so I'll be referring to some of that. And this this whole message on Sermon on the Mount's gone real sideways from what I thought it, it was going to be. But what happens is when I'm reading it, the Lord just keeps highlighting certain things. And so that's that's what I want to focus on is what he's highlighting instead of being some kind of organized. I mean, I like organized, you know, scriptural teaching. And, and by the way, it, uh, not that you have to, but next Sunday I've been invited to speak on Ecclesia at Convergence Point, which is just by Nolan and I-70 at 1.30 in the afternoon. I don't expect anybody to go to go, but if you're interested, you haven't heard me talk about Ecclesia, that's going to be a 45-minute to one-hour crash course on what Ecclesia really is. Um, so anyway, just wanted to throw that out. So overall, what the Lord has been kind of, He's been speaking all kinds of things, but one of the things I want to share with you and I've been trying to communicate this, is living a life that really reflects Him, but living a life completely within the context of kingdom, kingdom of heaven. And how can we live in the kingdom of heaven while we're living on earth? And I want to explore some of that. We're not going to get you know heavily into it today, but that's kind of overall the general theme um, because as the world, and, and I, have, I don't really know what's going to happen with globalism in the short term, the one world government, but we do know in the long term, that is how it's going to end up. Babylon will be rebuilt. There'll be a one world government, one world religion. There'll be the three you know, strands of big business, big government, big religion working together for tyranny across the globe. Uh, and... And then it's going to be a really cool event to see how that gets scattered and blown up when Jesus returns. I just don't know if that's right now. or, But we're certainly seeing a lot of signs for that. And so how can we, and, and really I mentioned this last week, and it's, and it's very, very true. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are great examples of how to live a victorious life in a Babylonian system. Because they lived in Babylon. And not only live a vi- be victorious and be successful, but rise to the top in the midst of it and have people see God in them and through them in the midst of Babylon. Okay? So... That's what I feel like the Lord is speaking to us, is how we can be even more prepared, how we can really live every aspect of our life, receiving all of kingdom's resources in the midst of, because the kingdom's not limited to anything that's going on here on earth. It's not limited by the economy, the global economy, the economy in America. It's not limited to wars. or, or it's not, there's, there's no limits on it, and we're not restrained. But we have to get out of, we have to break from that mindset. 
of the limitations that, well, it can only be this. Well, it's only he, he's not re, uh, restrained by what the doctors say, what medical science, the advances. He's not restrained by any of these things. And, and, and that, in part, is fully living in kingdom, serving the king. And living that life in the midst of everything that's going on that reflects our father, that reflects the character of our father, even in the midst of all of this stuff. Okay? You're all looking at me like I'd rather you talk about something else. Is that, do you want me to talk about something else? <laughs> so I'd like to start off with this point. We were made, we were created for his good pleasure, not our own. We were created for His good pleasure, not for our own. But here is what's beautiful about that statement. That when we are all in, committed and serving the Lord for His good pleasure, in return, that is our good pleasure. If we're serving the Lord and we are wore out, stressed, Filled with anxiety. Can I just say this without being hurtful? You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Because grace, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says we are saved by grace. Through faith. What does that mean? Because that's how, that simple illustration is how faith and grace operate together in everything. Very, very good. Yeah. Oh, we're saved by grace through faith. Yeah. Exactly. They are. They're, they are intertwined. They work together. Um, so let's, let's talk about that for just a second then. So, because we, we do throw out 
Christian terms a lot without really defining them very well sometimes. And I remember when we started New Covenant, one of the things the Lord did to me within that first year is is he, he questioned me personally on everything I believed. And he said, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? And when he got to grace, I was stumped. I did not know how to answer because I can't remember ever being taught grace. I've heard messages on the perverted grace, which says you're covered and you can live however you like to live um, kind of thing in um, that umbrella. And so it, what I have discovered is exactly what Sheila said. It is It goes beyond just the favor of God, which when God favors something, he blesses it. And he does empower it. But that's what grace is an enabling power. To be able to do what you cannot do on your own. And I hear, you know, I've, I've heard people, and I've even done it before I had an understanding of grace, is praying for grace. People pray, and there's nothing in the scripture that tells us we should pray for grace. Grace is a result of faith. You are saved by grace, but it comes through the channel of faith. But what is faith? Faith is not blind. As Mike said, it's substance. It has to be based on something. It's not just, well, I just decide to believe this. I remember before I came to Christ, uh, I was in a mo- working as a mechanic. We were a bunch of us non-believers in the motorcycle shop, if you can believe that. And we were discussing you know, what's this world all about? And I remember saying, I just think it's a great experiment. I didn't have any basis for that. And sometimes as Christians, we say this all the time. We say all kinds of stuff that we don't have a basis for. Well, it isn't faith. Because faith is substance. It has to be based on something. And biblical faith it, faith is based on God. And it's the character of God. Meaning... I can't exercise faith, true biblical, spiritual faith, for anything unless God has said it. Because faith is simply having trust and confidence in God. It's not having faith, it's not having trust and confidence in my confession, or what I hope happens, or what I want happens, or my um, somebody said this morning too, what, what Jesus do you believe? In my perception of who Jesus is. we can Faith only begins where the will of God is known. So it's, it has to be based on what He has said, what He's promised, what He has done, who He is. It's backed up by His character. And so when God speaks, and because we trust Him, we begin to say or do what He's showing us, that is the through faith. That's where grace comes through faith. Grace is coming because we have connected, so to speak, a channel, a pipe. God spoke to me, and my connection is I'm going to respond to what He said by being obedient. And now grace flows. 
Grace enables us to do or to say whatever God is speaking to us. But it comes through faith. No faith, no grace. And what I have done early when I was more immature than I am now, spiritually speaking too, not just in the natural, is I was didn't understand this and I was always waiting for some motivation to do what God said to do. You understand what I'm saying? Like you hear, I know what God, even if you can't hear his voice, if you've read scripture, you you know what he's saying. Because this is for all people in all places at all times. It's for all of us. If he says to forgive, that's for all of us at all places and all times. I don't need to hear anything out here to forgive. He's already said it right here. So if I've read that and I have an issue with somebody and I know he's wanting me to forgive, I trust him and have confidence in him even though I may not want to do it. But because he's my dad and because I, I submitted my life to him, being a bondservant of his, that's a slave by choice, bondservant, and he said it, and because of this love I have with him, I'm going to do it. I, Joe Nicola, may argue with him for a little while, just to be honest. I've got a lot of testimony about that and many things. Yeah, sometimes it's longer than others, and sometimes it's, you know, yeah. But when and only when I respond by faith, or all of us respond by faith, we're just going to do it, and we step out to do it. Now, this is not like we're just assuming we know what God has said. Then grace comes and enables us to accomplish that which he's called us to do because he'll, he doesn't call us to do things we can do on our own. He speaks to us to do things that require him. Okay? So when we step out and begin, and I want to explain a side part of this that uh, I have learned over the years, uh, part of faith, because, and I'll, I'll go back to when we started New Covenant Ministries, when, when God spoke to me to do that, it was over a year, I think it was close to two, I can't remember the time frame, before I actually obeyed, because it was something I did not want to do. Matter of fact, I told the Lord in one of my prayers I'll do anything that you want me to do except pastor. It's not what I wanted to do. God appreciates what we want to do, but he's got a plan. (laughs) Right? And he overrides our plan. And it's a blessing to us. And that's where we step into that rest. When we're doing what God has called us to do, there's rest. And there's peace. That doesn't mean we don't. We're, we're physical beings. Jesus got tired. We're going to get tired. We get hungry. You know, we go through those kind. Of, we have to work through emotions sometimes. I'm not saying any of those things like it's just a bed of roses and everything's going to go great. And it's not God if it's not just perfect. No, if it's God, there's probably going to be trouble involved, and there's going to be suffering. Because overall, what is He wanting to do with us? He's wanting to conform us into the image of Christ, and He does it on the job. He doesn't do it while we're sleeping and just, 
you know, download all this and we wake up more like Christ. Now, that would be my preferred way of, <laughs> of having it done. But what he does is he puts us in situations, you know, I, I tell people, don't worry about it. You, you, you could pray for peace or pray for patience, I mean. You could pray for love. You could pray for all of those if you want. But our God loves us so much. He wants us to be more loving. He wants us to be more like him. He's going to put you in situations and relationships that's going to require more love. He's going to put you in situations that's going to require more patience. Yeah, this. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Because we know our will, and too often we want to do our will, and we ask Dad to come and bless what we want to do instead of finding what he wants to do. So let me, I want to segue into the main thing I wanted to talk about today, but I I want to tell you what I was going to tell you about faith. So when we started New Covenant, and we went through this one or two year process to get, I got to the place where I submitted, really. If we want to be honest, that's where I I had to get to the place where I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done wrestling with all of this. I'll do it. So that's big picture, right? Starting a congregation. At that time, it was church because I had no idea about FAC. So I knew that's what God was saying. I step out. Renee and I step out. We're in faith. We're receiving grace now daily. To how do we do this? What, what are the things you want to do within the context of this church? And here's where what I had to learn about faith. You can do what God has called you to do by faith, but be out of faith in the day-to-day processes of what you're doing with that one main thing. For instance, I knew this is what God wanted us to do. Well, I can sit down, and I, I used to be a great planner, like an organizer, and I could put stuff out for a year, two years, and this is all my goals. I don't do any of that anymore. I mean, I, I, that's a whole other process the Lord just wrecked me on. But I used to love actually doing that. And we're going to start this. And, and all of a sudden, what I was doing is, we're going to start this. But God didn't say anything. He didn't say, do that program. Do this ministry. See, within the context of New Covenant Ministries, there can be all kinds of other ministries. But there, too, we have to be walking by faith. What's he saying to do? Or not do? You see what I'm saying? But, but, the, but there's a little bit of a deception there. Well, I'm doing what God's called me to do, and so I'm just going to do it like everybody else, and I'm going to just keep... You see what I'm saying? And, and all of a sudden, we're doing it, and we're working... We're not in faith, so therefore we're not receiving grace, that enabling power. And we're wondering why we're getting stressed and wore out. I mean, it's a sad condition for a lot of pastors. The suicide rate among pastors is astronomical. They quit, you know. 
And, and a lot of it hinges just on what I just said. And feeling like we have to work it now. We have to keep it going. I, I can't tell you how many times I told the Lord, if you don't keep it going, it's folded. I'll be faithful as I could be. I'll do everything I know to do. But in the, in the end of it, when it comes down to it, it's either you or I'm going to go back to work on a motorcycle. Does that make sense that even within the context of what God's called you to do, that all the other decisions that we need to make and the things that we're doing, we still need direction from the Lord so we can do it by faith, receiving the grace. And then we'll walk in that peace, that rest, even when you or everybody else in your organization doesn't know what the heck you're doing. You're just trying to do your best to follow the Lord. Is that, is that okay? Questions? Yeah. No, he's never told me. <laughs> That's for sure. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, and I've I, I usually I've, I've said this a lot. I'll say it again. To your point, Sheila, there's only one way I know how God determines success, and that's faithfulness. It's it's not outcome. The outcome belongs to Him. It's faithfulness. And I used to give this. I haven't done, said this illustration for years, but I used to give this illustration to people, if God spoke to you, actually, if God put a huge, big rock in your backyard, and he spoke to you and said, I want you to take a hammer every day at 8 o'clock and get out there and hit that rock until 5 p.m. That's all he said. What would faith be? A faith response. What would a faith response be? Getting a hammer, going out to your backyard to the rock he put there, and starting at 8 o'clock, not 8.05, and hitting that thing. What if you did that for a month, and it's still a big rock? How about a year? How about 53 years? It's still a big rock. And every day, you're getting out there at 8 a.m. to 5, and you're just smacking it. You're being faithful because that's what God told you to do. He didn't say go out there and turn that rock into a bird or a house. The word was just go out and hit it. Well, 53 years later, it's still a big rock in my backyard, and I've been smacking this thing every day. That's faithfulness. And in the yes, yep, yes, that's on the job training. Yeah, you you probably went through a few hammers, unless you're just going tink, <laughs> tink. <laughs> but that's that's 
faithfulness, receive it. And guess what? When you're in faith and in grace, you're not wearing out doing it. Yeah, probably building up some muscle. <laughs> yeah. But see, we get these preconceived ideas when God says something of the end result when He may or may not and probably haven't said what the end result is. <laughs> yeah. So, for the last few minutes, I want to segue back into something we talked about last week and talk about it a little bit more. And before I do that, let me just read you the three. I brought three scriptures out, if you remember. I know it was seven days ago. It was a long time ago. And, and look, I'm not blaming anybody because sometimes people will ask me the same day later and I don't even remember what I said. So, it's okay. <laughs> First off, in John 10.10, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And he didn't put any caveat on there. But if there's a war, that's not going to be true, guys. So, Or if the economy's really bad, that's not going to be true. No, it's, I have come to give you life and that life more abundantly, period. It doesn't matter what age you live in. What is happening, circumstances, that is a statement with a period at the end. I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly. That in itself is beautiful. But He has a way for us to live that abundant life. He's just not going to go and zap it on us. There's a path of life that is abundant. Matthew, these are the three scriptures I specifically talked about. Matthew 5:48. Therefore, you shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 6:33. All three of these scriptures are in the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. Matthew 6:33. That's the only thing he said that we are to do first as a priority in our life. Seek first the kingdom, His kingdom, and His righteousness, and everything we need, all of the things He just talked about, the clothes, the food, all of these, these natural things that He's created us to need, if we would put seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, righteousness is becoming like Christ, when we become born again, yes, we, are right, we take on His righteousness, but He wants our behavior to match our title. To literally walk and live righteous. Not just have that title over us. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow and what the globalists are doing and all of these things. For trouble or tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So what what is our priority? He didn't give it as a suggestion. He said, seek first. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. If that's a priority and that's what He told us to seek, then we need to do it, right? We need to, what is His kingdom? How does His kingdom function? Not just His kingdom functioning on, in heaven, which 
definitely has relevance because what did he pray? That, or tell us how to pray that the Father's will would be done on earth just like it is there. Not, not when this age is over you don't pray about it. Now, God wants His will to be accomplished on earth just like it is up there. And where does that start with? It starts with me. For me to be able to pr- even pray that, I've got to get my life right. See, we can't come into a region to take ground, whatever that region, I'm not just talking about physical land, but maybe a business area or a political area or whatever it might be, we can't come in there fighting to take over in the same spirit that's dominating there. We have to come in a whole nother spirit. That's what Jesus did. Everywhere he came in a completely different spirit when he came to earth. And everywhere he went, in the natural, looks like he had failure. In certain instances. But we would never say Jesus failed in anything. Because he didn't. Because ultimately the judge is God and the judge is faithfulness that he came and he did exactly everything God told him to say, everything God showed him to do, perfectly. He was completely 100% faithful to his father. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. 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 Yep. Did you have something? Absolutely. And this is, this is a good illustration of, in my mind anyway, of being obedient to the Lord regardless. So, for instance, no, yeah, none of us do, that if God speaks to us 
to give somebody something, it doesn't matter if they're grateful or thankful for it. Or if they even use it in the right manner. Or they even keep it. The, the main, it's, it, it, see, I, I think if we would cross over to this, I don't even know how to explain it. We would relieve ourselves from a lot of stress, worry. My responsibility is just to be faithful to God. That's, that's really it. And to do what he's showing to do and say what he's telling us to say. And leave all the networking and all of the, the big picture thing up to him. And there's going to be things we do and say under the unction of the Spirit of God. We will have zero idea the effect of it in this life. I do expect, this is just me, I do expect to find that out later. <laughs> I would like to know. But being faithful to him and just doing it regardless of how it's received. Look at Jesus. He's such a great example. He came down as the Messiah, the awaited Messiah. They were in the temple praying for him to show up. He shows up and what did they do? Reject him. He weeped over Jerusalem. But still he was faithful. When he told his disciples, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. What a crazy statement at the time. And his disciples begin to leave. And he turns to the twelve. You want to go too? Without explaining. Why? Because he said what he heard the Father tell him to say. And he's going on. And he's going to be faithful to his Father. Period. He wants everybody to go with him. But knowing not everybody's going to go with him. Does that make sense? And it doesn't matter how people respond. For, as long as I know I, I gave because the Lord was telling me to give. That's it. I'm, that was between you and me, Father. They can do whatever. They can burn it. They can give it to Church of Satan. They can do whatever they want with it. I'm being faithful. Here's the other scripture, Matthew 7:24, and then I'm going to wrap this up here. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And that's kind of what we're talking about. Building our house on the rock. The rock of of Jesus is the rock. And when we build our life on him, and Jesus is the king of the kingdom. So when we're seeking the kingdom first, we're also seeking the king. Because the kingdom is no kingdom without a king. And then the kingdom has a way of doing things. It has a life. Just like if we were all to move over to Japan or we were to move to China and we're going to live there for years or the rest of our life, we better learn the laws in which we, uh, the country we go to so we can better interact and get along and understand and learning the language, learning the lingo, learning all of the different traits to help us to what? Live better and more successfully in a foreign land that we're not used to. Well, the kingdom is foreign. It it doesn't operate like this natural world. And it's not limited to the resources and and, and even to law and science of this natural world. And living that way, living in it, with it, and and focus on the king at all times. This This is, we are going to be much better prepared for what is and what is coming. 
to be obedient to what Jesus said, Matthew 6.33, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, or his, God's, and everything else is going to be supplied to you. Last week we talked a little bit about the, the enemy, the, the demonic spirit behind men. Because men are not our enemy. And in this war, whether it be political, business, globally, whatever, it, whatever realm we're in, the man is not the enemy. It is the spirit that is highly or some, at some degree influencing that man. If we fight against the man, we never are going to find true victory, especially for that man. Because ultimately, it's about people. And it's about their eternal salvation. Whether they like us or not. As Jesus was on the cross, he asked for, for God to forgive the ones that actually drove the nails in his hands and feet. And whipped the skin off his back. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. There was a time right after Peter had the greatest revelation, right? Just, you are the Messiah, Son of the living God. Where Jesus said he's going to build his ecclesia. Right after that event in Matthew, it goes into Matthew, or Jesus begins to, Matthew records Jesus beginning to tell his disciples that he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to suffer at the hands of the Pharisees. He's going to be crucified. What does Peter do? He's up on the mountaintop with great revelation that he's the Messiah. Now he pulls Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. And he said, this is not going to be... Now, what did Jesus do, to my point? He turned and he spoke to the spirit that was behind the man. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. And then he refers to Peter. You are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man. At that moment... Peter was highly influenced by the demonic that was a, beginning to be a stumbling block to Jesus. Jesus recognized it's not Peter, it's the Spirit motivating him, and he spoke to the Spirit. We need to understand this process, especially in the day and hour we live. Our political opponents and or even enemies against freedom they're not the person's not the enemy it's the spirit that is motivating that person now they can get to a point where they are so succumbed to the dark spirit of darkness and overwhelmed to even be possessed and there can be and jay brought this up last week that that they get to a point where there is no salvation for them i don't i can't none of us in this room can ever make that determination only god can do that but until he reveals that, every man can come to a saving knowledge. And we have to live in a, in a time, I believe, in this time, we have to stay open. And we have to stay connected enough that if God wants to use us to reach even what, who we think are our enemies, that we do not be so offended and hurt and wounded by what people have said or even done. Because we can live an unoffended life. And I believe that's really a, a goal as well. Jesus lived unoffended. That we don't take the every little thing so personal 
as a personal attack. This is why identity is so important, getting healing from our wounds. By the way, let me throw in a whole nother thing. Have you noticed that when Jesus chose his disciples, he never addressed any hurts or wounds in their lives directly before he put them in, in work of ministry? He taught them on the way. Add on the job training. Pointed things out. Hit them in the heart with this scripture, with that truth, with this word, whatever thing. That was just a side note. We have to stay in an unoffended heart and, and not taking things personal. I know that could sound like monumental. And I've talked to some Christians even this week about this concept. And they're like, what? Yes. That, that, you see, with everything that's going on in the world today, we have a greater opportunity to die. This is a great time. Because so much, it's, are we going to be offended at this thing, that thing, what that person says, what this person does, all of these kinds of things? Or are we just going to say, God, what are you saying? And keeping relationships to a place that I don't ever want to. I've, I've, I've said this a, a lot here in the last year. Uh, nobody is my enemy. You're only my enemy if you choose to be. You might be my opponent on the other side of the political spectrum or thought or even in the church. You might be my opponent. You're trying to bring in you know, critical race theory and Marxist agenda in the church. <laughs> That's an enemy to the to the message, to the gospel. But when we start shutting people off, I don't know about you, but if I were to do that, it would probably just be Renee and I. And even then we might have some real problems. Because I don't, I don't get up in the morning and say, man, I'm going to... Wait a minute, I need to reword this. I get up in the morning with some great ideas to offend people. I will have to say that. <laughs> but I have to readjust and realign. But it, it's just a natural walk of life that we're going to rub each other and hit, you know, do things. And I don't know how many times in the 23 years that we've been here, you know, people have like, I don't know where I was. I, maybe I didn't look at them right or something. And, and, it, and actually it was just like, you, you know, and I get accused of this and that. And I'm like, I am so sorry. You know, I didn't. You know what I mean? It's just because we're human and we bump into each other and, you know, maybe we look at people wrong or they take it wrong. You know, there's a myriad of different things. That, so the point is that we, we are going to have the opportunity to be offended and to offend. But that's why we, 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 on an individual basis, need to be healed from the, the wounds, the open wounds that are susceptible for, to that offense, and come into an understanding of our identity. I tell you, I got a lot of healing just that revelation, to be quite honest. Uh, the biggest one is a father wound. When I came into the revelation of my true identity, now being born again, and the father wound that existed in my heart prior, I mean, it vanished. 
I might probably shouldn't say this. I'll say it this way. I had a family member call me and say, how is it you can treat this other person in the family like this? Which is more honorable and respectful. And I said, because I'm healed. I know who my real daddy is now. I see this individual as somebody that really needs the Lord. And because I'm healed, that's my perspective. I want to see them have that exact same relationship and healing in their heart, even though they're much older than me and have authority over me, that I have. Hurt and wounded people go around hurting and wounding people. The people that are whole and healthy are available to bring wholeness and health to other individuals. I don't know if I'm making all of this clear or not, but we have to stop viewing men as our enemies. And it's not easy all the time when there's so many men, and I include women, out there that are actively coming against us. But to remember, it's the spirit behind it. Let me share one other passage from... um, from the Sermon on the Mount, as soon as I can find it. Matthew 5, 43 and 44. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. It was said. That's an old concept. Jesus was bringing in a new covenant. We know, right, the new covenant is much more restrictive than the old, right? It's much more restrictive. But there's also a much more freedom at the same time. There's tons of paradoxes in scriptures. It's more restrictive because murder is not just the actual act of killing somebody. It's when you have hate in your heart for your brother. It's the same under the new covenant. But he said... You've heard it said, you shall love your enemy and hate, or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Can we do that? We absolutely can because he told us to, and he'll never tell us to do something that he doesn't equip us to do. Going back to faith and grace, when we step out in faith, I don't want to do it. Sometimes, I don't like the concept. I'd rather bring revenge. But that's what the Lord said. So when he tells us something, and here's a little bit deeper, and this is where I'd like to go to, what he's sharing is who he is. This is coming from the character, the very DNA of God. This is not just a a behavior, a learned behavior. It is a character of love, because we talked about this last week. What's the greatest core value of the kingdom? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is just like it. You're loving your neighbor as yourself. Everything else is off of that. One core, main core value. And God, Jesus is saying, love your enemies Pray for those who persecute you because that is who I am and I've created you to be just like me because you've got my DNA on the inside of you. 
And guess what he's going to do? You don't have to pray for this. He's going to put you in situations where this is required. And we're all in it now, for certain, with what's going on in the world. Amen? You still like me? Amen. Well, let me put it another way. You still love me? Because you have to love me. You know, you don't have to like me at all, but yeah. Yes. Exactly. And that goes back to the faith and the grace. We have the big picture. The big picture is we're to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But then the how. Because, and the timing. And what is he saying? Because really that's what he wants to do, right? He wants to work in us to be more like him. Yes. And if we had more time, I really wanted to get into that. But I'm going to say just a couple more things about that since Sheila brought it up, so it's her fault. (laughs) Because there is pressure to conform, as we all know. And the, the identification of love, there's a pressure to conform to what the world's definition of what love, and it's being kind, it's being nice, and, and here's a good one. It's being tolerant. Jesus wasn't tolerant of sin. Can we take a few more minutes? I just stepped in it. So, were you, were you wanting to say something, Terry? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> this could be a while. No, I'm just kidding. So, I'm going to just use Lori. I hope you don't mind. You're on the, right in front of me. So, God has this unique ability, because it's God, that let's just say Lori is in deep sin. God has the ability to overlook all of that because of the blood of Christ not, and look at the individual. The value and the worth of the individual regardless of the sin. Every one of us that have been born again has that same ability. Because he's given it to us. That does not mean we excuse the sin and make excuses for it. It doesn't mean we turn a blind eye and ignore it and allow Lori to stay in the condition that she's in and be tolerant. It doesn't mean any of that. Jesus didn't. He was kind. He was gentle. I'm thinking of the woman that was caught in adultery. He, he extended forgiveness to her. And then told her, go and sin no more. Because see, within that faith and grace transaction of forgiveness, she's, that woman, and or Lori in this case, is now enabled to go and sin no more. 
So the ability to look beyond all of the person's stuff to the worth and the value of that individual. Because again, and I know I said this often, the best way to defeat our enemies is convert them to your side, which is God's side. That's the best way. It's mercy. It's mercy. Matter of fact, that's one of the um, uh, uh, beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful that we pray for mercy. What did Abraham do with Sodom? Get him, God. Set it on fire. Burn her down. That's not Abraham's prayer. Might have been mine. (laughs) What did Abraham do? Lord, would you save it? For the sake of the righteous. That's an amazing prayer from a man that was not born again. But see, so much of the Christian mindset is get them, get them, burn it down, destroy them. Get them out of here. There's bad people in my neighborhood. Lord, move them out. And Lord's like, how about I use you to minister to them? How about you start in prayer and intercede for them first? And pray mercy over them and forgiveness and laborers that come across their path. Instead of sending them to, you know, Scott's neighborhood. <laughs> Get out. Get out of here and go to Scott's. I'll stop there because I can just keep going, as you know. Go ahead, Terry. I was with my previous congregation for 26 years. Toward the latter years, a prophet named Bob Jones came to visit. The first time we received a rather stern message to investigate the word for ourselves instead of depending on others. I sensed anger. And when I talked to him afterwards, I sensed it again. Well, one, one day sometime later, he, he came back. And someone I felt knew about these things told me that he had, he had passed away and gone to heaven And they told him, well, you weren't loving enough. Here's this man deeply involved in the Word, prophesying, and he got rejected in heaven for not loving enough. So they sent him back. He came again. There was a light in his eyes. There was softness in his voice. I got a hug, and I sensed a joy. Not too long after that, he got to go home for good. Did he share that story, Bob? Did Bob share that story? Is that how you heard it? I've no, heard it, was so, it was someone else. Oh, huh. interesting. Bless the Lord. Love you guys. Father, thank you for this group of people. I thank you to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and the courage and boldness to do what you're showing them to do and to speak out what you are speaking to them to speak. Father, may they stand strong, be encouraged today because the Spirit of God is with them. I pray for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God for those who are not baptized in the Spirit. Father, I pray that they would be baptized and filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. And that they would walk in that power and boldness and courage. 
fully submitted to you each and every day, each and every hour of their life. Father, may everything that we say and everything we do bring glory to your holy name. May you, Father God, be glorified in this city, in this state, and in this nation. And Father, I too pray for those that may be sick today, may have infirmities in their bodies, ailments in their bodies. Whether they were born that way or not, Father, I pray that they would uh, rise up in faith. That, Father, that you, they would hear specifically from you how to receive what you are showing them to do to receive their healing in Jesus' mighty name. And I pray for them, too, that their bodies would be whole, complete, exactly the way you created it, until the very time, day that they are to transfer from this place to the next. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Bless you guys.